Welcome to Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Jan McIntyre. Thank you for joining us on Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. Today, our guest is Jen Nguyen. Jen will be discussing embracing the pain. Let's jump right in. Jen is an author. She wrote Lilacs in November. I'm going to encourage you to get this book, ladies. I'll leave a link down below where you can order it. This is her story of grief and pain and healing. We'll talk a little bit about this today. And if you know of anyone who's been through what Jen's been through, you may want to get the book for them. So thank you for this book as well, Jen. Jen, what is your story? So my husband and I have a bunch of kids. We have like seven kids and I've been married for 22 years. And um, in 2010, I found myself pregnant with a set of twins. This would have been our fourth and fifth child. Five, ch- five children, seven and under was quite a bit. So I went through 2010 and then early 2011, I gave birth to these boys, identical twin boys, perfect in every way. I was now the mother of five kids, which is a lot. Okay. It's a lot. Twins, you're all of a sudden in this club that you didn't even know you were a part of. (laughs) And it was super fun. You know, people stop you and they're like, oh my gosh, look at these twins. And um, so it was, it was a very fun and exhausting time in our family. Um, But it was very beautiful. Children are such an incredible blessing from the Lord. Um, So this was March, 2011. And then August 2018, and if you get the book and read it, you'll hear more about our story, more detailed events. But I woke up early on um, August 18th, and one of my boys did not wake up. He had passed away in the night. Oh. And I just remembering, I just remember how heartbroken I was in those early moments. And, you know, they talk about fighting or flighting when you enter a traumatic situation. And I mean, I was ready to like book it out of there and run to the hospital. And I was expecting that the ambulance would come and revive my son. Mm-hmm. And we knew he had passed away early in the night. Um, and so when we got to the hospital, you know, it was just this series of events that you have to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came home, actually, um, later that morning. And my husband looked at me and he's like, do you want to worship? And I was like, what are you talking about? And so my husband got out his guitar and we sat on our living room floor, um, the very floor that 10 hours before we had been crying out to Jesus with our son laying there lifeless. And we were doing CPR and asking Jesus to come and breathe into his lungs, bring him back to life, anything God. And it was that very living room floor that later we would sit and we would just worship Jesus. It was truly this sacrifice of praise. Like, God, I I don't want to praise you in this moment, but I know that my soul needs it. And I know that you need to come and and I need you to bring healing. I need you to be the breath that I breathe because I can't do it on my own. What was the most difficult part of your journey? I think it was, it's an interesting question because it, it would depend on where we were. I would say two things. One is the fear that I'm going to lose another child. That was uh, very real for me. Um, And then the other was just my heart ached for my boy. You know, I mean, I had been nursing them the night before because I nursed them both. And so there was just this beautiful bond that I had with my baby and he was no longer there. And so processing that grief was hard. 
what has it been like for the twin that did not pass? What has that been like for him? Because my sister has identical twin girls and I know because of them, the closeness, the bond that they share. I believe I read in your book how your older daughter and the one of the twins formed a bond. Tell, tell us a little about that. Sure. So Finn is this exuberant 12-year-old, the one who's living, and he is he just knows what we tell him about his brother. You know, he knows that he's a twin um, and they were identical. So when I see him, I think, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have my boy in heaven and I wonder what he looks like today. There was really no defining moment where I saw any real heartache. You know, they were five and a half months old when his brother passed. And and that's about the time that twins begin to differentiate. Like, oh, your foot is not my foot, so I shouldn't put it in, in my mouth. Or, or your hand isn't my hand, so maybe I shouldn't bite down on it. So they really were just because they were so close, you know, in the womb, they they were kind of one. And so we really didn't see too much from him. Now he does feel when he sees his mama cry, he is just the sweetest boy. And he's like, oh, mama, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. You know, it's it's not your burden to carry. I have to go to Jesus. My, we have a daughter who is 14 and she and her brother, Phineas, have really formed this sweet relationship. It's kind of precious. They, at times she'll be like, oh, we're twins. <laughs> and, you know, I don't understand the psychology behind that because she was about two and a half when her brother passed. Uh, but there is definitely a closeness between the two of them. I can't help but to believe that um, naturally as brothers and sisters, there's going to be some kind of closeness, but the Lord had put such a special place in each other's hearts to have that special bond. Maybe. I, I don't know. That's. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know they, I know the other day I told her, I said, can you take care of your brother this weekend? They went on a youth event. She's like, oh yeah, I got his back mom. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yes. Jen, how did God carry you through this most, I can't even imagine this most tremendous season, the first couple of years. And I know you're still walking through that, even though it's been what, 12 or not. Yeah, quite it'll be 12 years this, this year. Yeah. I think, you know, I had never experienced anything like this before. Um, and grief isn't linear. And I remember someone told me, he said, Jen, there are going to be storms and they're going to be really intense in the beginning. And they're going to come quite often, but eventually those storms will be less intense and less often. And I just, it's stuck. It's stuck in my mind. Um, you know, I just graduated with my master's in counseling. And so I had all this book knowledge of what do you do for parents when they're grieving the loss of a child? So I had all the book knowledge and then I needed the Holy Spirit and Jesus to show up and bring, and bring some healing. So it was a process. The early years, there were a lot of tears there's a phrase in the book that I use quite a bit and it's embrace the pain. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times we want to avoid pain because we just don't know how to process it. We, we just don't, it's, it's overwhelming. It's too much. And so we'll just choose, you know, as human beings, we'll just choose other things to sort of numb that pain. And I knew enough about Jesus that if I embrace the pain and not just embrace it, but invite the Lord in the midst of it, that he would show up. And so this beautiful mix of Jesus and facing it head on, there were times I'd be in different restaurants that play Christian music and 
And it was beautiful because the Holy Spirit would show up and I just start crying and I just sit with it for a moment. I wouldn't let it overtake me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just allowed God to invade and do what only he can do. So it was very traumatic, very difficult. But again, I, I knew enough about counseling that I needed it. <laughs> and so we, we did, we sought counseling early on and continue to go, um, not just for that, but really just for health, emotional health and life. But it was, it was very traumatic and it's a process and it will be, I think grief is a journey. You never get over it. Yeah. Um, and they say, well, time heals. And I'm like, yeah, I think you kind of forget maybe the the impact of the pain that it's made. Um, but ultimately, I think it's the Lord who's just brought healing in my life. I so appreciate you sharing your story. As pastor's wives and female ministers, we go through things and we set the tone in our church, how we're going to respond and how we're going to be when we walk through grief. I lost both of my parents to COVID five days apart. And six months later, my niece and my sister-in-law were tragically killed in a car accident. So within six months, we had two double funerals and I'd never even been to a double funeral before. I can say like you, only the grace of God has carried me. And, you know, sometimes like you were saying, I could be in a store, I could be in Walmart and I don't know, just all of a sudden tears just start to come. And just come out of nowhere. My husband's like, babe, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just feeling really sad, (laughs) you know? And, And you have to walk through that and it's going to be okay when you get to the other side, but it's that storm that you have to to go through. I love Psalm 23 when it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, and he leads me and he guides me. Um, You know, he doesn't take us out of the Valley, but he walks with us through it. And that is what the Lord has been to me, not just me, but to my oldest daughter. You know, she was seven when her brothers were born. They were her baby dolls, human baby dolls, you know, loved those boys. And so we have seen God really do a miraculous healing in her life as well. And it's beautiful to sit back and see, you know, we can submit this pain to the Lord and say, okay, God, it's yours. What are you going to do? How are you going to make something beautiful out of this tragedy? And, and he does. I would not let me say this very carefully. I love my son, but in losing my son, I found a depth to Jesus that I had never known before. Um, I have a closeness with the father that I never would have found had I not gone to that deep, dark place of grief. Mm. Um, Would I love to have my son? Absolutely. Um, But I also love that Jesus is so close. Can I ask you a clinical question? What is the danger of not embracing the pain when you're walking through grief? Yeah, wow, that's that's a really good question. I have quite a few friends who've lost and it breaks my heart as I see their life because um the grief has just overcome them. You know, they they don't know how to process I dealt with a lot of PTSD after I lost my son, anxiety, panic. What am I going to do with all of this? And so I had to seek, I had to get help. 
But I think the dangers are that you will just be consumed with grief and you really won't be able to live. You kind of live in this pseudo life, but you're not freely embracing even just the joys around you. But I feel like in my story, as I embraced the pain, I was able to have sadness and joy in the same moment. And Mm -hmm. it's only by the grace of the Lord. So I think as difficult as it is embracing that that pain and and bringing other people with you. Uh, You know, my husband was a great source. Um, My friends were just a great source. Jesus was the ultimate healer. But finding those people who can rally around you and say, okay, we're going to sit with you in this. We're not going to try and make it better, but we're going to sit with you while you grieve. Um, I was just talking with someone last night and they were saying, you and our culture, when there's a funeral, it's like weeks long. And that's such a beautiful thing because you need that time to Mm -hmm. grieve and to walk through the emotions and to have people surrounding you. So Jen, sometimes when couples lose a child, like you guys, y'all pulled together and obviously you have Jesus at the center of your relationship, but even sometimes Christians, they pull apart. How would you speak to that precious couple that maybe they're walking through something similar right now and they're kind of drifting apart? Is there something you can say to encourage them how to get on track with pulling together? I I know that, um, you know, my husband, he's just, he's just really cool. <laughs> I mean, I, there's nothing amazing about him. He's just a great guy. And we knew that our marriage was important and we knew that we both needed help. And we were very careful to not blame each other for what had happened. I mean, he could have very easily blamed me and said, this is your fault. And, and it was no fault. No one's fault. Our, our son died of SIDS, um, which is sudden infant death syndrome, terrible thing. But there's no, I mean, there's studies that it's, you know, something in the brain or something else. And there's really no reason for it. They just stop breathing. And so I think for those precious couples, it's important that you not blame each other and that you seek help. Um, You know, in the Christian world, there was always this um, idea that, you know, you just suck it up and deal with it. Just get over it. Get over your pain. I had a sweet meaning passage. She's just very well meaning. And she's like, here, go read a book and then you'll be better. And I was like, no, Mm -mm. a a book is not going to help me grieve the loss of my child. And I was bawling in her office, just bawling. Mm. And um, I knew that we were going to have to kind of set the stage and the tone for our grief and our healing. Um, But for those precious couples, I would say, don't run away from the very thing that created this precious, this precious child. Instead, cling to each other and seek out help. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and helping us know better how to grieve, to embrace the pain. I think that's very crucial. I know for me, I kept asking people that, you know, had a uh, psychology background and stuff, Am I doing okay? Am I grieving properly? Because I've never had to really do that before. There's no proper way to grieve. The, everybody's journey is different. You know, what works for me might not work for you. And that's okay because we're all individual. You know, God has created us all distinctly, but the Holy Spirit is the best counselor, absolute best. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that, but that you also said y'all went to counseling because, you know, so many times, uh, at least, especially in years past, Christians would be like, well, just pray about it. 
read the Bible more. And it's like, yeah, we need to pray. We need to be in the word. But when you're walking through such a deep grief, sometimes you can't read the word. I think everybody needs a counselor, a mentor, a life coach. Um, (laughs) I, I do. I do. I've got it in my life because we need someone else to help us ask those questions and to help us look at things from a different perspective. Oh, that's so good. Well, thank you again for joining us. What is an encouraging word you could give to that precious woman of God that's watching today? Um, I think the thing that comes to my mind is you're not alone and there is hope. Um, You're not alone and there's hope. God wants to bring hope in your life and he wants to restore and he absolutely can do it. Amen. Oh, I just remembered a story from your book. If you could tell it really quick about the, the, the note in the bottle. Oh yes. Okay. So that was toward the book took me about 10 years to write. And, and honestly, it was just the Lord saying, I want you to write this book because I want people to hear of my goodness. And I'm like, okay, God. So it took me 10 years, but when I, it was my last, one of my last chapters and my family every year on Zadok's day, which is August 18th, that's when we celebrate our son that passed away. And um, we decided that year we were going to the beach and we were going to write little notes and stick it in a bottle. And then my dad had a friend who had a boat and he was going to take it out to sea and drop the bo- message in a bottle. That was our whole idea. So I did. This was the summer of 2016. And in 2020, January 2020, I get this email from someone in Delaware. And she says, is this your your bottle? And it was broken open and the pictures were there. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, it totally is. Like, absolutely. I'm like, where did you find it? You know, I'm thinking it went out in the ocean somewhere. And she goes, well, my friend, um, my friend and I, uh, she just bought a boat and, and we were cleaning out the boat. And what you don't know is that my friend today was the year anniversary of her losing her twins. And she said she read your story out of the bottle and she now has hope. And I thought, well, my goodness, where did you find the bottle? Right. The bottle never left the boat. Wow. The bottle stayed in the boat for that would be four years, um, three and a half, four years. And so how God intended to use our story to breathe hope into some other mama's life was beyond me and astonishing. So the bottle was exactly where it needed to be under a blanket in the corner of the boat, all dusty and dirty. That is such a great God story. When I read that, oh, it just brought tears to my eyes. The goodness of God. Wow. He's so amazing. There's story after story of how God has used our story as we share it. You know, a lot of that is sharing and he's encouraged other people through it. Thank you again, Jen, for sharing your story with us. Thank you for joining us on Silently Bleeding Hope for the Pastor's Wife. We trust today's podcast really encouraged you. God bless. Thank you.